How is everyone? You guys good? I have been here for two months. Nigel is right. I'm, uh, everyone's been asking us how, uh, how's it been going? What's the, what, what do you miss? What's different about England to America? Um, and I'd say that the answer keeps changing because my uh, language and the words that I used to say in, in America used to get me into trouble because they don't say the same things in America. And it's kind of happening this way. I'm saying things in England that uh, I'm being told is wrong. Like, I didn't know that the word honor, does it have an O or a U in it? It's both. Thank you, Pentecostal front row. You know, one of the, one of the things that honestly was a bit of an eye-opener for me when, I, when, when we moved to America was um, my first or second Sunday um, speaking and, 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 and uh, my wife and I leading the church. We had church and uh, the service looks just like this and it was probably five minutes before I was going to go and speak and someone approached me um, just during the announcements and they were wearing a, a jacket and uh, a very good friend of mine, and as he was talking to me, he just like in an American accent said, um, Pastor, I just want you to remember one thing. And as he, as he said it, he opened his jacket and there was a gun. <laughs> and he said, Pastor, I've got your back. <laughs> and turns out, in the church back in Morris, quite a few people are carrying on a Sunday just in case something happened. And what I didn't know is that they talked amongst themselves and they were all sat in specific places watching me. And trust me, I was watching them. <laughs> and that because I miss America and we're in England, I'm kind of expecting someone to do the same. But when they pull up their jacket, they're going to show me a few spoons. <laughs> Just to say, I've got your back, Pastor. You know, the language of those two countries are very different, but the language of love is universal. How we love one another works in every single country you'll ever visit. Every city, every town, every person, if you love them well, they will receive that language. Is that right? And, and, and one of the common threads that I've, I, I've just got this passion for is the word family. Because the church can be called many things, but one thing I know for certain, because it's been to me, is that church is family. And, and I'm really jumping off the back of the last two messages that Janine Porter gave and Mike Stevens gave about the family of God this morning. And I was uh, walking down the hallway this morning, and the Lord said to me something that I thought, oh, I should write this down. He said, the, the world will disciple you into an individual and teach you, all, teach you all about your rights. And we'll say it's all about your rights. And if the world ever released a worship album, the first song would be, it's all about me, and all this is for me, for my glory and my fame. It's all about me, and you should do things my way. I alone are God, and you surrender to my ways. Everyone heard that song before? There are some parents in the house today that heard it this morning. 
But when we enter the kingdom of God, it says, Psalm 68 says, he puts the lonely into family. You see, when we enter into his kingdom, the Lord, our heavenly father, disciples you into family. And in a family, it's, our, it's all about our heavenly father and about how we love the people that are in front of you. It's not about you. It's about the people that God has put in your life. It's about them. Loving them, reflecting the love of the Father. And I couldn't think of a song to sing about the, about the uh, kingdom side. So, I mean, we sung them this morning. Great key change, by the way, worship team. But family is God's idea. It's not man's idea. And it is the greatest environment for you to grow. And I tell you, it is a choice to stay connected. Amen? Isn't family a choice? You may be born into a family, but you do have to choose it. Is that right? Let me tell you something that I read recently that just gave me a, a glimpse of why I so believe the family is so important. Us, this morning. It's Ephesians 3.10. And this is talking about us this morning. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So that you, us, we will be known today in the world by our wisdom, by what we see, how we see the world. And, and this goes beyond just in this room, but there are problems that are going on right now in the earth that the answer is going to come from God. But it's going to take us to hear and listen what God is saying and then act it out. Is that right? You know, the, 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 the word wisdom in that verse, if you look at it, it just describes as wisdom, broad and full of intelligence. Is there intelligence in the house this morning? Seven people. Used of the knowledge of every diverse matter. So every diverse matter, every diverse matter that is going on right now, God wants to reveal the answer through you. And I'm in the presence right now of some wisdom. I can testify. I've grown up in the church my whole life. And if there's ever been a problem, there are people in there who are sat down right now can testify. They've helped me. I want, I, just to say about the refinery, Paul and Jenny, I, can, I know you guys are sat over there, but Paul and Jenny, there, there was a group of us between 18 and 30 that sat under Paul and Jenny, and they did the, a, a school here called the BLA. And eight years ago, man, did I grow. Paul and Jenny, you are a gift to the kingdom. We love you. Thank you so much. But God cares about his family, so much so that he died for us. He died for it. But, everyone say but. Do you agree that there are some challenges with family? Yeah? That's the loudest yes I've heard today, guys. Yeah, and, and especially when we talk about family in the church, because I've grown up, I've seen a few things. Like, I've seen the new, up-and-coming, young drummer in the middle of worship just feels compelled to do a five-minute drum solo to the congregation. And then I've also seen Sister Mary that believes the resurrection of the tambourine is for now. <laughs> it 
But you see, because we're a family and because everyone who's in this room has an opinion, it's quite difficult to decide who's right. You know, the worship is either not loud enough or it's too loud. The donuts are either got too much sugar in them or there's not enough gluten-free availabilities. We're either reading from the wrong translation. We finish at 12 or we finish at 12.15. The questions are, there's many questions I could ask right now, but I'm not going to ask for the answer. But did you know, sat in this room right now, how many types of generations do you believe there to be in this room this morning? Four? Any more? I'm talking about the word definition of a generation. How many generations do you think are in this room this morning? One? Two? Three? Every, it, this morning, there are five generations in this room. Which means if we were to clump everyone together in their generations, there would be five different answers, more or less. And I'm going to go into a little bit more of that in detail. But when I say the word generation, what comes to your mind? Do you, Joshua generation, thank you. Do you, do you think just your parents or your grandparents? For me, when I heard the word generation, what I thought it meant was when you read, when you read the book of Moses, Exodus, you see that he took, it was the generation that went into the wilderness. So I'm thinking 40 years I'm thinking, oh, you can see what I'm about to tell you. I'm thinking for a generation, it just means every 40 years. So really, then, I would think there's only three generations in this room. But it's not the case. And I'm going to talk to you guys this morning. I had a bit of a light bulb moment. Uh, a number of months ago, around um, October, a dear friend of mine invited me to go with him to a conference um, in Atlanta. And it was called the Catalyst Conference. And um, it was a, an amazing time where I had um, preachers from all over the world came and spoke for 20, 30 minutes, and it was just amazing. Just the, the topics were so diverse. I had the privilege of hearing Ravi Zacharias for the first time. Um, those who don't know him, just YouTube some of his stuff. I mean, in 20 minutes, Ravi Zacharias broke me apart and put me back together in 20 minutes. He is an amazing man of God. But then I heard a gentleman called Tim Elmore. And I want to honor this man's work because what I'm about to tell you is all from his hard research. Um, Tim um, is a man who's just been marked by God that has just a passion of connecting the family back together. And he studies generations, specifically millennial generation and the Gen Z, which I'm going to talk to you guys about. But he said a number of things that just rocked me. And if you go onto his website, it's called growingleaders.com. You can get all the information there. But Tim broke down the generations in a way that I have never seen before. And I want to do it this morning to give all of us some context. Is that okay? You know, Hosea, the prophet says, my, God said through Hosea, my people perish for the lack of what? For the lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge. And I found that when I understood this picture of what he said, I've learned to love God's family even more. Are you guys up for this? So every generation, which you can see on my, uh, on my slide here, there's five generations currently. Now, each generation in this room, you have a set of glasses that you wear that that's how you see life. This affects what you buy, how you vote, 
um, how you behave, how you act, everything. So every one of these populations that I'm going to, sorry, generations that I'm going to go through, I'm going to be highlighting about what it was you were wearing when you were born. Is that okay? You ready to be enlightened this morning? I promise you, you're going to be more in love with your parents by the end of this. All right, so first generation. Can you see on my slide, I have the builder's generation, which is known as the silent generation. So if you're here, can you just be quiet? Thank you. But let's go to the next slide. Let's look at the age. So if you were born between 1929 and 1945, you are considered to be a part of the builder's generation. And if you see on my slide here on the bottom left, I have life paradigm. This is the glasses I'm talking about. And so let me read you something about this. They're commonly known as the builder's generation. These folks endured World War I and II. In general, they're frugal and they know how to save money and resources. They tend to value holding on to what is right and good. They are the generation that remembers life, check this out, without airplanes, radio, and TV, which is why they're considered the silent generation. If you are a part of that generation, can you give me a holler? Come on. Now, interesting when you see the life paradigm, when they grew up, they were taught one thing, be grateful that you have a job. And I can testify that because I knew that whenever I went to visit my grandparents, they were going to ask me, what's my job? Are you doing well at school because you need a job? It's interesting that if we talk about social media today, what social media platform do you think this generation uses the most? It's Facebook. And you can tell because their profile picture is always the eyes and just the forehead. <laughs> so if you were born between that age... I, this isn't, I'm not, I don't want to box you guys in, or any generation, but this is just what studies, sociological studies um, have, have said. So who's on ready to the next one? All right, boomers. This is the generation that would be called the pig and, pig and the python generation, which if you talk about the population, if it was a long python, inside this python for this generation was a pig that had been, that the python had eaten, and it carries on, because there are so many babies that were born in this generation. These people represent the population boom after the war, and as the largest generation to date, they felt large and in charge, and they expected life to be better for them, better than it was for their parents. Their, their characteristics include independence, responsibility, maturity, and they are equipped to make up their own minds and determine what is most valuable and significant. Can you see what their life paradigm is? I deserve better. Can you see that the change from the end of the First and Second World War, the generation that was birthed out of celebration that we're no longer in war said, we need to change? Am I, is that, am I getting yes from the boomers? What do you think their social media platform is? It is Facebook. Well done. Profile pictures a little bit better. Just a little bit. All right. Third one, Busters. Do we have anyone born in, from between 1965 and 1982? Oh, yes. Come on. All right. This generation, 
started with, the, in a way, the area of the fall of the Berlin Wall. Independent, resourceful, self-managing, adaptable, pragmatic, pragmatic skeptical, skeptical of authority, and are seeking a whole new work-life balance. As realists, they know life can be hard, and they want to keep it real. Is that true? You want to keep it real? Authentic? Okay. What do you think their social media platform is? You, you, well, yeah, maybe, maybe. Your social media platform is email. Look at you. All right, next one is millennials. Come on. It's literally the millennials. It's just the worship team, isn't it? It's just them. All right, 1983 to 2000. See, the reason why it's quiet is because they're at home watching it online. All right, no groans from the other three generations, okay? Currently, the largest UK generation, they grew up in a time of helicopter parents, participation trophies, <laughs> university degrees, and college options. They often see life as a cafeteria, cafeteria, or cafeteria, from which they pick and choose what they want. Netflix, soy milk lattes, gym, Love Island, Snapchat, and Jesus. Yep. Yep. Now, I, probably I'll get the biggest yes here. Who agrees that they, every millennials think that life is a cafeteria? <laughs> cafeteria, help me. <laughs> but you know millennials, we, can't, we just want choice. We want to pick and choose what we like in the Bible. It went quiet. <laughs> it went quiet. But one thing I will say about this generation is that this is the biggest generation that think entrepreneurial. And so the ideas that are changing the world are coming from the millennials. Not all of them, but they're coming from some. All right, you ready for the next one? All right, Homelanders, 2001 to 2018. Come on, guys, thank you so much for waking up this morning. Thank you so much for dressing yourself. Thank you. All right, l listen to this, guys. This. Uh, and I want you to recognize, I've actually got chairs out here to represent each generation. So this is the start of the generations that I talk, and it goes down. But as, it, as, we, as, as society is growing in the information age, we are learning things about ourselves that we didn't know at the beginning. So the, I would say that the, the information that we're getting is actually more current, and it's more of a, a time to take action. Because the, let me tell you about this, Gen Z. This young population is still forming but they have grown up in a time of terrorism, recession, underemployment, and political unrest. They tend to be hackers, finding a way through the system, navigating a tougher world full of social media and anxiety. They are relatively unattached to organized politics and religion, burdened by debt, distrustful of people, and there's no rush to marry. But they are optimistic about the future, which is why who's shocked to read what their life paradigm is right now? I'm coping but hoping. Does that shock you? Do you know why we need mothers and fathers in the church? So don't be alarmed by what we've read, whether it was positive or negative, because I can tell you this, that God is the God of generations. He chose every single person to be born in those lifetimes. 
Are we in agreement with that? And so that if you've been chosen to be a part of that generation, that means that you've been a part of the message of God through that generation. And I also want to say this. These five chairs, well, you'll understand why there's six later. You, now that I've shown you, you know, where I'm at, I'm a millennial, so you can give me grace. But, but let's, let's, let's move beyond, obviously, what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about the family of God. And there are five generations in this room, and we are about to welcome the sixth. And dependent on how these five chairs work together will determine what they are born into. Let me, can I give you one example? How I, I, uh, I like to watch the media, not listen, watch, and just see what's happening. And something clicked in my ears when I heard this, um, and it's about, I believe it's to do with my generation. It could be between uh, the Gen Y, which is the millennials, and the Gen Z, which is the new guys, the homelanders. And, and, and this conversation that I was listening to, and it's to do with the climate change. And it, it, it's, it's something that I'm trying to personally, trying to work through the issues and perform my own opinion rather than give one. But I listen to the voices of the speakers to do with this topic, because it's everywhere right now. Are you, is it just me? Are you hearing a lot of talk about climate change? And because every generation is chosen by God, I believe that there are, you know, the fivefold ministry, pastors, evangelists, teachers, prophets, and, and who do I forget? Teachers, apostles, in every single one of these generations. So therefore, and some are in the church and some are out of it. So when I hear issues that are going on, I want to hear, God, what is your voice amongst the other voices that are talking about a topic? Because climate change is not coming from the church. It's coming from people everywhere. And so I listen to hear, God, where is this wisdom that we just read in Ephesians 4.10? Where is this manifold wisdom is the answer that you are giving? You guys tracking with me? So... I listen to um, a young girl called Greta Thunberg, and she's 17 years old from, from Sweden, and she's standing up, and she's been given this platform to speak at the, uh, the Davos um, Global Summit, which I believe is Davos, the location that it was done. Okay, so, and this platform was world leaders from all over the world coming together to talk the economy, finances, like all the world big issues. And this girl, if she's 17, help me, which one is she on? She's what? All right, she's on this chair right here, okay? Now, I'm, I'm specifically talking about Greta right now. She's standing on a platform speaking to world leaders, and every language is being translated, and she's speaking to the generations gone before her, some in authority, some without. And you can go online and you can watch this speech. She's speaking. And, and, and it's kind of the famous one that went viral when she was saying, how dare you to all the world leaders. Do you guys hear what I'm talking about? It's been viewed like millions of times on YouTube. But, and she's passionate and she's like, this is injustice. This is wrong. We have to change. 
And what comes out of her mouth at the very end, I want you to listen. Because she is saying what is going on is wrong, and she's been given a platform where not only her generation, but every generation before her is watching, she says these words. If you don't listen to me, then us, this generation, will never forgive you. Do you hear that? She's saying, if you, don't, if, if you don't listen to us and do what we want to do, we will never forgive you. And this, I would say, for example, would be the cry of anyone in the younger generation looking at the older generation saying, you're not doing it my way. And whether what she was saying was right or wrong, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way that the enemy wants us, the enemy wants to destroy family. And how he'll do it is he'll twist what is good and he'll turn it into, it's about you revolting against your, your fathers, your mothers, all the people that have given you what, what have given you what you are doing right now, you need to start your own. And because I feel angered and frustrated, that means unforgiveness is valid. So I want to ask you just really, really, if you're frustrated or angry about something, how far are you willing to go? You know, Jesus was setting his face, it said, he was, he was walking to Jerusalem with his disciples, and he passed a village of Samaritans, and he sent people ahead of them to make preparations, and just to say, hey, just let the village know, I'll be there tomorrow, I'm going to do some prayer meetings, people will fall over, I'm coming. And when he got to that village, the city shut their gates and said, Jesus, we do not want you. We've had it. We don't want you. You're, you're bad news. And then his disciples, James and John, who are walking alongside Jesus, hear of it and then jump on the offense that Jesus has been rejected. And it's like they turn to him and they're like, all right, Jesus, I know what you, I know what you want me to do. Let's call the fire from heaven and destroy everyone in this village. Because you're obviously offended, and we need to fight fire with fire. So let's, let's call down fire, and let's, let's destroy everyone, because that's obviously how you feel. And do you know what Jesus did? What Jesus did? As he said that, verse 55, he said, but he turned, looking at the disciples, rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Jesus was more concerned and frustrated, concerned of what was going on in the disciples' heart with the rejection that Jesus was carrying than the, than the whole rejection of the city. See, it's, it's, it's got nothing to do with what you feel passionate about and what you want to change. It's about how do you carry it? Are you reflecting the Lord? Everyone's got passions. Everyone in this room wants to see the world changed. Everybody wants to do something but can you carry it in a noble way? Can God use you to be that change? Anyone can get excited. Anyone can watch YouTube. Anyone can watch the news and, and get upset about certain things. You know, one thing that I've learned is that I knew 
how to be a parent, and then I had children. Like, I knew how to be a pastor in a church, and then I was given a church. You know, the things that frustrate us, I want to ask you, actually, are you, are you actually called to change this? Because if you are, you'll, you'll get there by humility, not by frustration. You see, the wisdom of God will not advance through the anger and unforgiveness of any generation. It advances by how we love one another. It's about how we love one another. Let me read to you this really encouraging verse, and think of these chairs. Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. See, that is one generation talking to another generation, 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 and it keeps going, the blessing of God. But every person who is, in situ- who is positioned in these chairs has the decision to where do we continue it or do we stop it? And it's by how you love one another. It's how you respond when the worship is too loud, but realizing that it's the younger generation that are asking for it. It's understanding that when worship is too loud, the younger generation needs to yield and say, we trust what you are doing. It's clear that God, this is God's plan for family. It's just going to keep going. And I want to speak to the older generation who are looking at the younger generation going, they don't know how to use a hair comb. (laughs) Like, look at them going like, and you know, this is really funny because God really has a sense of humor. I'm about to say something and I've actually done it today. Those guys don't know how to wear a belt. How are they going to be able to hold and stay true to the values that God gave us? They're going to drop the ball, you might hear. Can they do it? And I want to say to the older generation, one, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And two, we we do have it. We won't drop it, but we can't do it without you. We cannot do it without you. And the younger generation here, just because you have a phone in your pocket does not mean that you know the answer to everything. (laughs) Like... Isn't it, like, one thing I heard this, because we're in the information age, and we can get, you know, I mean, like, you know, the questions that people Google. I heard a comedian say, you know, what, what we used to talk at, that we used to say things at the pub that we don't say anymore because now we've got phones. And he, he said a joke, he said, you know, the question that you'd hear during, you know, sat with your mate at pub saying, like, you know, was Wesley Snipes ever in Monarch of the Glen? You know, it's like questions that just don't make sense, but because we have Google, we do it in private. But, but here's the other thing, is that because this generation had, can get the answers to everything, this is probably where it's felt like, for the, for the older generation, disconnection, because was before, you learned everything from your father, from your mother. 
And so if I, there's grandparents in here, if there's parents feeling like, I, I don't know why my kids aren't asking me stuff, it's because they've got the answer with their hands. It's not because they don't want to talk to you, but they're being conditioned to being like, this is how you find information. You know, you don't, you don't go to granddad's house to go pick like the 10, I don't know, Britannica books off the shelf to find out the capital city of Chile. It's like, it, we don't need to. But I, but I want you to recognize this, guys, for the older generation, it's not rejection. It's not that we don't want to talk, but it's just the fact that the questions need to change. I, w- I also want to just propose to you is that something that I grew up listening to and I believed, and it's changed, is that I, I grew up in a time where it was okay and it was kind of standard for us to say, sorry, I've got to take a drink, to say that revival is coming, but it's coming from the young people. God's going to move mightily across this city, across this church, but it's coming from the young people. And, and I want to propose to you that, that that was pretty short-sighted, not that it wouldn't be true, but I have here the demonstration of what the family of God looks like, and I can't see God pouring out a revival on one generation and ignoring the rest. Look, when he said he's pouring out his spirit on all, like, was it just one generation? No, it was across the whole board. And it brings the responsibility of rather than, hey, we just need to write the best new song or we just need the best preaching and then revival will come. It's got nothing to do with that. It's to do with how we all together learn to do this because then we can carry it. How we treat one another in this room is a litmus test. It's actually how much do we love each other, really, Can I show you a picture? I, I, uh, I love showing pictures, and this one absolutely rocked me uh, last, this week when I saw it. I was going through, I, um, Helen uh, Lotwick, so kind, uh, got me some archives of some old photos, because I just love to see where we've come from. And this was taken in 1992. Who can guess where that is? It's in this very building. Was it before? Nigel, give me the exact date, time, and who spoke that Sunday? 88. Do you know what month? It'll be the summer. Yep, the shorts are out. Put it this way, I was born in September in 88. But this, 30 years ago, was what some of these chairs looked like in this very house. Worshipping God, each generation commending what God has done and passing it on to the next generation. As you can see, they had no problem in paying their electricity bill at that time. But can I show you, I'm showing you this picture to see what these guys did 30 years ago, what they did, you would not be sat on that chair today if it wasn't for them. We wouldn't be here. 
they didn't have back then, it's all about me vibe going through the church. It was actually all about us and the family of God doing life together. It, and, and did you know that there are people in that picture who when they moved into this building, not only did the family of God give generously, there were people in that picture right there that remortgaged their house for us to be in this room this morning. They remortgaged their house so that we could worship this morning. It's why I cringe when I hear that there's, it's just so hard to get people to volunteer for kids' work or the hospitality team or any area of the church which is to do with the family of God that we somehow are just now too busy to do that. But we're only here because of what they paid for, the sacrifice. You know, it just asks the question, like, what kind of people are we to be, the theme for this year? What kind of people are we to be? In Genesis 11, a really small story of when mankind started to build the Tower of Babel. I don't have time to go through, through all of it. It's, it's, it's Genesis 11. Seriously, read it. It's, it's an amazing. There's a lot of takeaways from that. But in the middle of the story, mankind starts building a tower because they want to get close to God. Man-made tower. And there's this fascinating part where God walks among the people and he says, a, he says a word that almost makes no sense. He says, look, which means either he was with other people or he's saying look to us right now. He says, the people are united and they speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. So what we've just heard is God is saying when his people are unified together, there is nothing that they cannot accomplish. When we are unified, and, and I'm not just talking like we clap on beat during worship, really hard to do. <laughs> but, but what I'm talking about though is actually, guys, can we just turn the lights up a little bit? Switch one and four on, I'm being told. Thank you. You see, the people that are in this room, look to your left and right, say hi. Sorry, I didn't speak to you at worship, I was worshiping. What I want you to see is that we're no different to this photo. Yet we're 30 years further along, but we have a job to do. Not a generation, but the generation. All of us, together, have something to do in this city. Amen? And it's going to be done by looking to the person left and right and loving them well. Well, 
what I want to do before I end is I just want to... Could I have the slide up just with the, the age, all the ages? If you are a part, been chosen by God to be a part of the builder's generation, could you please stand? Thank you. Church, are we looking? Can we all together say in one accord, being united, we need you? Okay, together? We need you. Guys, thank you. Come on. All right, let's get the boomers to stand. Get the boomers. Yeah, I hear some shocks in the audience now. <laughs> All right. Can we give them an applause? All right, church, what are we going to say? We need you. Please be seated. All right. The busters, please stand. I'm um, really surprised about that one. All together, church, we need you. All right, millennials, stand. Come on, check you out. I know, I know what you're all thinking. You're thinking, man. There was a lot, a lot less of them when worship started. <laughs> 10 30, guys, just so you remember. All right, church, all together, we need you. All right, sit down. All right, Gen Z, stand up. And if you're watching online, stand up. All right. All together, we need you. Thank you. Sit down, guys. Psalm 145. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation to another. I want you to remember these chairs this morning. I want you to remember that we are all together in this, but then remember, what we decide on our watch determines this generation. I said it before, but God spoke through the prophet Malachi, and he said, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Who wants to see that? And guys, I say that not because I don't see it, but I say it because we have to be aware of the world's plan to separate us. And we have to reflect in the wisdom of God what true family looks like. You tell me one place where all ages hang out together. And you can't say the pub because kids are not allowed to go. But I'm serious. Like, just the fact that we are all here today... The world can't do this. 
We're gathering around Jesus, and he's going to use us to reflect the kingdom and go all over the world. Who's up for that? Let's stand. What I want you to do is I just want you to ask God, God, have I, like the example I gave earlier, have I judged any one of these generations? The reason why I say it is because this generation needs answers. And what if they stopped looking at their phones, but they started looking to the people of God? This generation needs answers to know what is it, God, you're asking me to do? And what if it is from the younger generation? Like, think it not strange that you have people in your life that are younger that annoy you, frustrate you. It's family. Get used to it. I know my brother's in here somewhere. (laughs) But you have to see that we are a part of something much bigger than us, and these chairs are going to keep going. And how we love one another determines God's answer for the world. So put your hand on your heart and just ask the Lord right now, Lord, Is there any generation here that I need to repent for judging? And if so, if you think of someone, just forgive them. It might be a parent. It might be your granddad telling you that you need to get a job. It could be, you know the scenarios, but the question, it's not what happened, it's recognizing that we have a responsibility in this house to carry on the work of God that started over 30 years ago. That picture, do not forget that picture. Father, I pray that you would continue to grow us as a family, as your family, and that every gift that is in this room is welcome and it's needed. Thank you, Lord, that you say that your gift will make room for you. And Lord, I pray that if there's been separations between generation to generation, Lord, that that those, those barriers will be broken in the name of Jesus this morning. And Lord, that we can't do this alone. We have to do it together. This house is not about building individuals. It's about building your family, God. Father, I ask you just to raise up more mothers and fathers in the house that know how to respond to the young and also learn from the the sage. Amen. Now look, I want the lights to go back on. And look, we're just going to worship. We're going to sing Worthy of It All or actually whatever the millennials have decided to sing. (laughs) And listen, I want you to do, think of that picture. We're just going to worship. We're just going to worship. But can I ask you this? In the midst of just saying, yes, God, whatever you want, can you look to your left and right and behind you and see the generations commending his work to one another? Amen? Amen. Bless you guys. 